Topping Talks. Hundred and five hours a week, can't be beat. Welcome to Topping Talks. Topping Talks is a Topping Tribune production, and today's episode is proudly sponsored by Topping Technologies and ExpressVPN. Topping Talks is also on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. I have to say he's quite handsome and brilliant. If you're a business in Texas, I could use his hand. You can reach us at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, are you part of the 3.6% of Americans who still care about their privacy? If you are, then perfect ExpressVPN can assist. Even though 96% of stats are made up on the spot, ExpressVPN does give a 100% guarantee of satisfaction via their 30-day back money guarantee. Now, without further ado, I'm proud today to say I'm interviewing John Turner, who is the IT specialist at Girl Scouts of Texas in Oklahoma Plains. Ah, thanks. Thanks, thanks so much for coming on the show, John. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you inviting me. Absolutely. It's been years since we first met. Yeah, coffee. <laughs> Coffee shop, Starbucks. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a lifetime ago. <laughs> yeah. You were just getting off the ground at that point, weren't you? Yeah. That's, oh, so, I was so young and innocent. <laughs> just a couple less gray hairs. Oh, <laughs> seeing a lot of those these days. Oh, yeah. I, I collect them now. <laughs> it's enough to match my suit. I started shaving it short. I can't tell as much. That's what I was thinking of doing. Well, I think that might have to be my next step. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So how did you first get into IT? I know you've always been interested in IT growing up, but was it kind of that first role or that first pivotal moment? Uh, I actually started at a company called Celestica uh, back in the day. And uh, I didn't start in the IT department. I started as their process engineer uh, under under another process engineer. Uh, I was still in school at the time. And I did that for a while until... Some things changed up there, and uh, one of the IT guys that was there, he was no longer there, and they uh, they came and asked me uh, if I was interested. I told him I didn't know anything. <laughs> but he said, ah, that's all right. We'll teach you what you need to know. And uh, that's kind of where I got started. I mean, he took a chance on me. That's awesome. That's that's really what you got to find. What you got to look for is just people are going to take those risks and a lot of people respect that honest answer. It's like, you don't yeah. have to do anything. You just have to work like hell and you yeah. can accomplish most things in life. Yeah, it was it was a it was a heck of a ride. It was a it was a different environment back then too. I mean, it wasn't all about certificates and and things because I'm I'm old, not, not completely old, but <laughs> back in the day, people were still you know willing to take more of a a risk on uh, new people. Agreed. And, I mean, it worked out good for me, and uh, I appreciate every minute of it. Uh, could He could have just as, as soon said no. I mean. It's true. But I just didn't like uh, engineering, but now, I mean, I, I figured out that I love this job. Yeah, it's a different type of engineering. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's you know, I've always kind of been a generalist. Mm-hmm. I guess probably because of that and that. I mean, I, I was in engineering school, but it didn't cover a lot of the things that that you would need to know, managing servers and uh, switches and stuff like that, uh, troubleshooting people's problems. <laughs> oh, that's a big part. And, th- yep. and then what were you doing when you first got promoted or internally transferred to that new department in the company? Uh, I mean, 
it, it was just a lot, a, a lot of getting used to what they used. It, it was back in the days. Uh, I think we still had some Windows 2000 servers. Oh, wow. Uh, there were no 2008. Uh, there was talks about because uh, right before we closed the building, and, and I got laid off at the time, mm-hmm. there was talks about going to 2008. Oh, really? And, and what we, year was that? It's been, I want to say it's been 12 years. Oh, wow. It's, it, so it, was a, it was after 2008. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a pretty fair long time ago. Yeah. I mean, every, every time I think about that, I'm like, ah. A lifetime. It, yeah. And that was when your main customer, your main end user at that company was BlackBerry, right? Yeah. The, the BlackBerry was the main customer uh, that we contracted for. And they would, uh, they would send the... They would send the phones almost built. Mm-hmm. So they had a – we didn't do any of the surface mount or the SMT lines. The, that was all done at a, a different facility, and they had various facilities to do that. But we would get it, get the actual device, and we had these, you know, huge tables. Bigger that, than these? Yeah. Way oh, really? Bigger than these. Yeah, and, and way longer. I mean, if you can ex- – Oh, wow. Imagine this would be probably the – the outlay that they they laid the phones on, and they had these USB cables coming up through this ESD really? safe uh, foam, I guess yeah. is a good way or vinyl, and you would plug them in, and we had uh, I think six or eight computers that would sit under there, and all they did was just load software. That was the first thing when they came out of that really? SMT packaged box where they would. Uh, palletize all of the the ones that they had built. They didn't have any branding, any logos. Really? They didn't have serial numbers on them yet. That that was done after the software load. So it would move from this table uh, after the software load. And all of the softwares worked with, I I don't want to say provided by like AT&T and Mm. T-Mobile and Verizon, but BlackBerry would work with them to to brand it, uh, do, do the locks, on the mm-hmm. devices, uh, carrier locks. Oh, yeah. And, you know, some of them did, some of them didn't. Um, and then after it would leave there and it was loaded and we saw it boot up the first time, it would go down to this next computer and they'd plug it in and it would connect to uh, RIMS or BlackBerry's. Oh, yeah. uh, A lot of people don't know Research in Motion was the legal name of the company when they yeah. first started. It's like, what's RIM? It's like, that is BlackBerry. Yeah. But that it's one of those great business stories where the product – the BlackBerry phone was so successful, they renamed the company after the product. Yep. <laughs> At the time. And they they actually had a really cool logo. Oh, but it was awesome. Yeah. It, it was way, way way better than the BlackBerry logo, in my opinion. But oh, yeah. it, it was cool. But anyway, they, they would go and uh, the next computer would actually generate the serial number, uh, the BlackBerry pin. I'm sure... Most people that have used Blackberries are familiar with the, the Blackberry Messenger. That that pin is what made everything possible. So it, what was the pin for those who haven't used Blackberry before or have forgotten? It it was just kind of like an identifier, kind of like the IMEI on the device, but it was how yeah. it was how Blackberry identified that device and they could actually block an entire pin and it would no longer be able to uh, communicate with any of their Really? Tools. Yeah, it was their software at the time. It, it's not like what we have today where we have Android. And yeah. It's pretty open source. You can do a lot of things with it. And I mean, it's it's more in the lines of, you know, Apple where... More, it's cu- more custom in-house. Yeah, yeah it's... It, it, obviously, there's a, there are things that you can do with it, mm. but 
it, it's not made that way to where where you're capable, where you should be able to, as yeah. far as Apple goes. But uh, yeah, everything was locked down and and communicated through their business enterprise servers or BES. Um, pretty pretty neat stuff. And then they would pack package it and palletize it into retail boxes, and those would get shipped to the end customer. So would that all happen within your own within the same facility where they would yeah. slap on the BlackBerry logo and the carrier logo and all that? Yeah, we're talking maybe about forty feet from, from oh, all wow, of really? that. Yeah, from from the start of the the front of the line to yeah. the end, it was forty feet. It had all these parts bins, and and they would pack all these boxes, and they had a you know a system of weights. Um, oh really? With, with variances, mm-hmm. so. When it would tell them to put a part in, they would put a part in, and w- they knew the average weight of that. And if the scale detected that much added, it would say you passed, and it would move to the next part. Really? Yeah. Lots of genius. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. I mean, uh, the Celestica, the contract manufacturer, was responsible for generating those processes to get them into finished packaging. But, uh, you know, all of the other technical stuff as far as generating the serial numbers. We had two networks that, excuse me, that came into the same building. And uh, all of those computers that were loading that software came off of their network. Uh, Yeah. So would that be from the carriers, like the Verizon's, AT&T's of the world, or? Yeah, I mean, all all of the the big carriers that were out there. um, It wasn't their individual networks. It was BlackBerry's network, but... They had all the software stored on their their server, their yep. stuff that they had on site. So, <laughs> and were you at the Irving headquarters office, or where were you at? It was in Farmers Branch. Actually. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. yeah. It was a pretty big facility. I, I worked there for five or six years. Oh, wow! And then they they took a little bit of hurting hurting oh. hurting in the market. The iPhone came out. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it wasn't a big competitor at the time. It was oh, yeah. uh, iPhone didn't have an app store. It was uh, it was AT&T only. Yep. Oh, people thought like uh, the BlackBerry CEO was so infamously noted for saying two, two detrimental statements when the iPhone came out. He said, now foolishly in retrospect, he said, no one will buy a phone without buttons on it. That's silly. No one will ever want that. And then the second one was no one will ever pay more than either 500 or or $1,000 for a phone. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, that's pretty much all you can get that's, for smartphones. That's the standard <laughs> now. And even... Even BlackBerry relented, and they they made uh, I don't know if you remember it. It came out on Verizon. It was called the BlackBerry Storm, and it was a full touchscreen. Yeah, towards the end, that was one of their yeah. last. I think that was their last model in house developed. I can't remember it. Uh, I, they did let me try an engineering model at the time. Oh, cool! Which I had so much trouble getting the carrier to activate it. Really? Because yeah, they would they would let us use them, mm-hmm. um, but. You obviously have to take them down to the carrier to get them activated on the network. Yeah. And when I walked in with that thing, they're like, "We don't, we don't have that phone." Oh, really? I said, "Yeah, I know. I, I just, I just want a SIM card that'll work." Yeah. Can you activate the SIM card? Yeah. And it was just it, it, it blew that the, that Pulled sales it. person's mind. Oh, yeah. They're like, "I, I don't, I don't know, it's I don't know what to pick." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Yeah." So had to get management in there to. Oh, geez. To. You know, they, they didn't know what was going on. They were yeah. just, and then after I explained that to them, they uh, they finally did get it activated. It was a fun time, though. But oh, I can imagine. Did you have the tablet, too? I never had the tablet. Oh, no? Uh-uh. 
No, and I, I never even tested the tablet other than seeing it being produced and packaged on the on the line. Oh, really? And I had my hands on it a couple times, but other than oh, like cool. sitting down and playing with it, yeah, it was a good tablet. It had a lot of capabilities that you know the the iPad at the time didn't have. Yeah, that's it was, it was smaller. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I think we were uh, last time we were chatting. We were talking about how it had better like speeds and feeds or technical specs. Mm -hmm. It had more capabilities. But it was, I believe, it was the same or just a little bit cheaper than the iPad, and the iPad had a bigger screen, so mm -hmm. everyone was just picking that. <laughs> that was the exact same price as the whatever generation iPad yeah. that was out at the time. Yeah, it, and I mean, it's just my opinion that when consumers walk in the store, they saw that that screen size difference. Oh, yeah, and they're like, well. I'm not going to spend time looking up the technical specs. Obviously, that's not everybody, but yeah. the average consumer goes in there and they see something that they're going to watch videos on. They want the bigger yeah. screen. Yep. What's shinier? Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's sad. A lot of people, like I covered, a, I had Blackberry as an account for a New York Minute when I worked at Ruben Networks. Mm -hmm. So, like, I went to, it used to be their, their last large North America headquarters was in Irving where they owned, I think it was, they used to have all six of these nice, beautiful stone buildings, but at the time where I had the account, they had like one suite in one building. But it is still amazing to see the whole spread of what the facility used to be when, you know, BlackBerry was synonymous with the word smartphone. Yeah, and I mean, I think they still do business with the, the federal government oh, yeah, because of their their business enterprise servers and the security that comes yeah. along with that. Yeah, every most, I think it was only with President. The 44th president? I forget which one, but it was within our lifetime. It was only at that point where they switched from uh, BlackBerry to actually having an iPhone. But it's still, of course, is dumbed down and restricted heavily mm -hmm. bec because of the, just the nature of it needing to be secure. I remember uh, Barack Obama fighting them pretty hard on. Yep. He, he didn't want to use whatever Blackberry. phone they were issuing him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember the outcome, obviously, right. but I just remember it getting brought up. Oh yeah, he was fighting that. I mean, that was two thousand, that was like two thousand ten, or no, that was two thousand eight. But like by th by that time, the iPhone was already re really, really, really popular. I mm -hmm. mean, everyone was starting to use it more and more and more. Yeah, it, I mean, w once it got an app store, and yep. not only that, and I don't even remember when they uh, released it to third party developers. It was, it, it kind of grew from there. Well, that was the key is the developers, like the OS on BlackBerry and Nokia. Well, it used to be every phone was proprietary to the manufacturer. Right. But what, two of the reasons those companies killed off their smartphones or and or they just went away is just they couldn't get enough support from the developers. So if you're a developer, you want to make a good ROI, you're going to make the version that has the most users. So you're going to go after the Android platform, which is as close to open source as you can get. Google mm -hmm. has it, but they're pretty lax. They they're pretty yeah. friendly with the developing community. Yep. So, I mean, in real, in all reality, you have, you know, iPhone or, you know, the Apple store, and you have the Google Play store or Android OS. Yep. I, I mean, and, and it's free. Yep. I mean, it doesn't cost the uh, the companies, Nokia or whoever's producing the phone. It doesn't cost licensing to, to install Android. So oh, exactly. So it's that, That's a big selling point for them. I mean, everybody likes to make money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. That's how it works. Uh, but yeah, now I remember people like when would you, when I was covering the account, BlackBerry was well. They're still going down in revenue. They're they're evolving. Mm -hmm. Like 
everyone got excited. One of my friends texted me. He's like, oh, yeah, BlackBerry's going to make more phones. You're going to be rich. I'm like, read the fine print. I'm like, <laughs> it's because I, I, I'm, a, I'm a business nerd, so I always follow those things religiously because I find it fascinating. It's like, mm-hmm. no, it was a license agreement with um, overseas conglomerate called HTC who makes a lot of smartphones. So you might see the word BlackBerry on a smartphone, but it is in no way, shape, and form developed by the company you know as BlackBerry. Right. <laughs> and I think they're still they're still sad about the the Palm Pilot was a it was a pretty big thing. That's that's one of those brilliant devices. I think Windows. I think HP bought Compaq or um, the uh, Palm Pilot back in the day. I Did think. They? I know, I know that it went away, and, and they were doing Windows Mobile for a long time, oh, yeah. and they banked on the wrong OS, I guess. Well, Mike, well Microsoft bought Nokia's a- phone a- phone assets for a couple billion, like ten point seven billion, a couple years ago for the phone itself, so they can have their new phones with the Windows OS, and it was a brilliant idea. A lot of my tech friends loved it because you could go right right from your smartphone to your desktop. is really good seamless experience, but it just I don't know. It's it would be interesting to do analysis of why it didn't just evolve. I think the iPhone was just too overwhelming in popularity and scope. I mean, mm-hmm. nowadays the BlackBerry, or sorry, the um, breakdown rather of the smartphone industry is overwhelming. You know, Apple and Samsung. Mm-hmm. And Apple, just a couple of weeks ago, they broke that big milestone. It's oh, they it's like right over fifty percent of U.S. phone users are on iPhone, which is astronomical. It's just amazing how how many they sell. Oh, it's every year. Astonishing. Yeah, <laughs> they must have the fair amount of cash and ca- capital to just sit back. Well, you know, is I was very impressed to find the most profitable company on the planet is not an oil company. It's not a pharmaceutical company. It is Apple. Apple <laughs> computers are the, that's the most profitable company on the planet. And the irony is that, that Microsoft saved them and yes, that's for a couple, what they are today. A couple hundred million when they were, when Microsoft was being, they were being sued or they were being investigated by the SEC for a monopoly, and Apple was about to go out of business, so Bill Gates, and they're like, all right, if we prop them up, we can't be sued because we don't have a monopoly. we still got those small guys. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> yeah. And they actually they sold that Apple stock, I think, in under five or ten years. Mm-hmm. So, like, of course, they saw, like, you know, if they didn't sell it, they would have been even richer, but it's Microsoft. They're doing pretty well. I, wouldn't, I don't think they're freaking they're, out about that. <laughs> their market share is still pretty fair for yeah. the Windows operating system. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and I, I'm sorry, I just have the worst ADHD on the planet. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to figure out what to talk about. I'm not oh, so, so where do you go uh, after Celesta, or what was your next step in IT? I actually went back home after after I got laid off. I didn't do uh, it. We got laid off because it was the BlackBerry contract. That was, uh, it, was yeah. it was the largest customer for Celesta. Uh, no, or, or was or was it, it was the only or it it the, was only? the only customer oh, for this yeah. location. So they, oh, that's they didn't go out of business. They just closed this facility. There was a I mean they they have another facility in Austin. I don't know if it's still there, but at the time they had another facility in Austin. And I know that they did some stuff for the Department of Defense. Uh, I want to say it, it had to do something with the... They built a part for the F-16 fighter jet at the time. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, 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 was, it was pretty interesting. I got offered that, but I didn't want to go to Austin. I got offered uh, some stuff out of Tennessee, I think. This, they said that they were taking most of the employees from Celestica, this, this office at mm-hmm. Flextronics. Basically, if you applied, they would, you know, you'd get a, a better consideration there because yep. 
you're just moving to a different facility doing the same thing that you are already doing at this facility because mm-hmm. they were another one of Blackberry's producers. Oh, really? Yeah. they. And at the time, they, they weren't as in dire straits. Mm-hmm. So looking back, I'm glad I did not take that step to go to Flex. Yeah, I was about to say. Because <laughs> it, got, it got much worse before it got any better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to say the statistics that somebody threw out from the company was that they laid off around 85% of their workforce. Oh, I don't wow. know if that's true. I mean, yeah. don't, don't quote me oh, no here. Worries. <laughs> All good, no worries. <laughs> just, uh, just something that somebody had spoken to me at one point. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, and then I moved back to Lubbock because I just I wanted to see if I could make it work. Yeah. Um, and that's where Lubbock. your family's originally from? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, we're from a small town out in the middle of nowhere out there, but yeah. – Everybody knows we're Texas Tech and Lubbock. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I moved back out there to see if I could make it work. And the, the IT industry is just not what it is in bigger cities. There's not an, there's not as much of a need. It's a really tight-knit community for the people that do do that stuff down there. And, and it's hard to get your foot in the door. Oh, yeah. Uh, I ended up working for the sheriff's office. And oh, really? I worked for the state for, for a little while, yeah. What were you doing in the sheriff's office? <laughs> I worked out at their jail out at uh, out by the Lubbock International Airport. Oh wow! Did that for a while. Yeah, uh, uh, some fun challenges, I'm guessing. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't wouldn't do it again. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It, I mean, it turned me who into who I am today. I mean, yeah. it, it gave me useful skills. Um, I wouldn't take it back, but I definitely wouldn't go into it again. Just uh, a lot of crazy late. Late, late mornings, yeah, because oh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I worked nights. I went from, for a long time, I went from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. Oh, jeez, really? That, got, that got really old really quick. And then I then I started working the mid, mid-afternoon mid shift. They had three there. Oh, wow. And I don't remember. I just know it was, uh, I think it wasn't 7 to 2. I think it was like 2 to 8. Mm-hmm. And that just blows out your. That's the whole day kind of just yeah. weird. Yeah. And then, you, you, you know, unless you've been there a very long time. Uh, got your seniority. You, you get the crap days off because yep. uh, they they can't actually just close it down and go home on <laughs> right. weekends. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it was fun, and uh, I learned a lot of a lot of valuable things. And then, what was the top value you learned, or what was the most important thing you learned through the experience? Uh, patience. Yep. I mean, because dealing with individuals like that isn't always just a uh, an easy conversation like we're having today. Right. Uh, they've got other interests. They may have other uh, things on their mind to uh, try to try to get out of you. Um, you, you never know what, what's approach, approaching, so uh, be be the last person to, uh, in the room to say anything. Listen to what, what they have to say and uh, kind of make some decisions based off that because otherwise you end up, you know, upsetting them. And, and not that there's anything wrong with upsetting them if, <laughs> if the rule meets it, but it, if you could accommodate them in the jail, at least they were convicted. They yeah. they were in jail, and it wasn't it wasn't our job to punish them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was our job to make sure that they were there, uh, yep. that they were safe, and the court system would you know deal with that portion. It just wasn't our job to do. Yeah. So that's that's how I made it through. Is <laughs> just. Even with a little bit of respect, maybe they deserve at least that. Absolutely, uh, yeah. it's a good rule of thumb or a good, uh, great rule to live by too. Yeah, I got a lot more patient after 
hearing all the different stuff that, that went on out there and what I had to deal with. But then I uh, started, you know, looking again, and I just happened to find the Girl Scouts. Oh, really? How did you find out about the opportunity? Uh, I was just cruising online, and I, I, found, I just ran across it. I was like, huh, this sounds in- interesting. Because I wanted to do something that was positive and kind of leave this world a little bit better than when I found it. Absolutely. And I thought that maybe that that working at the sheriff's office would be rewarding enough to, to meet that. But it, it just never did. And then I, I saw this, and I was like, huh, yeah, I, th- I think I could do that. And it, 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 was, a, it was a Hail Mary to, to begin with. I, I, oh, really? I, it, I'd been out of the industry f- at this point for three years or something like that. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, technology doesn't, doesn't slow down and wait for you. No. So <laughs> it, you know, a lot of things had changed when I got back in. Uh, or I came down here for the the interview, mm-hmm. and you know, I think he took a chance on me a second time, and, it, and it's very rare to find two occasions where somebody does that because I, I said, look, I know I know that I'm uh, not as experienced as what what y'all want right now, but uh, you know, I, I learned pretty quick, and and I've been in the industry, and I know how this works. Uh, if you give me a shot, there you know, there's nobody that's going to work harder to, to get where I need to be. So uh, that was after they they came back and said, okay, yeah, we'll hire you. Uh, that was one of the hardest things, pulling myself back up out of that uh, gap. I sh- I, in hindsight, I wish I hadn't have taken it, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, you lose a part of who you are if you you take away your life experience. Very so, true. It shapes the man you are today. Yeah, I mean, we we are the cumu- accumulation of our experiences, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and what was it like getting that first role? So you had to move from Lubbock to DFW. Yeah, I packed everything up uh, in a U-Haul. I, I had a Nissan Altima at the time that I put on a whatever they call those oh, yeah, dollies. Little, oh yeah, a little trailer that goes behind the truck. Yeah. Oh yeah. Threw that thing on there, and uh, I just pulled it all the way. And that was the most miserable drive I've ever had in my entire life. Those oh big tr- moving trucks do not have cruise control. No. Oh, yeah. And you're supposed to go 55, which no one does. But Well, I mean, those things are also governored out at, like, 65. Yeah. They won't even go this. what Sweet, is now our speed, speed limit. limit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to drive 65, and you don't get to cruise control. My leg hurts oh, so bad once, uh, once I got back here. That's mentally taxing, too, especially because a lot of those – well, actually, no, I'm not, I, I should, I should change it. Oh no, I guess I do have some modern, like Chevy Silverado's, but most of the U-Haul trucks that you're renting, they don't have like an infotainment thing where you can connect a smartphone to listen to like a podcast or like, a, you know, a show or something. They don't even have good door seals with keep the road no- noise out. No. So, <laughs> I mean, you, you couldn't even listen to the radio and I, I, I don't, I, this is probably wholly untrue, but it, it, the the way it was stripped down in there, I w- wouldn't be surprised if it had j- had just an AM radio in it. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's, well, I mean, that's it, what I get. But you couldn't listen to it if you wanted to anyway. I know you crank the volume up or you get the old rattle or uh, the rattling CD cassette or the not CD the uh, cassette converter. Where you plop in the cassette. You can have the ex- auxiliary port cord come out. And you plug it into a phone or a CD player. I remember, <laughs> remember those. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had eight tracks 
records growing up. Uh, for so. new, oh, yeah. I think the Pontiac Firebird had the standard 8-track built into it, which is a big th- big deal back in the day. Yeah, 8-track ta- <laughs> tapes. That's pretty wild. Oh, they're still they're still out there for collectors. Oh, uh, my wife. <laughs> yeah, my wife does. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, she, not 8-tracks, but yeah. she collects records. And, uh, yeah, she loves it. I, I give her a hard time. I said, L- listen to that low-quality music. <laughs> She's like, no, it's wonderful. Well, it's, technic- it's technically higher quality because you're not compressing it to zeros and ones. You get the whole experience of every note. Uh, you also yeah. have to have good speakers and cords and wires to actually hear it. But uh, That's what I told her. Uh, <laughs> no, she she loves it, and she loves the Beatles. Oh, yeah. And that's uh, Classic. Yeah. She, hey, if you love it, uh doesn't mean uh, I'm not going to give you a hard time about it. <laughs> right. I mean, if, if I'm not giving you a hard time, I really don't like you that much. Exactly. <laughs> I just do everything in fun, but we get along great. And then, d- so when you moved from Lubbock to Tech or DFW, what was the hardest part of once you got here and you started the role, or what was the biggest challenge you first joined uh, the Girl Scouts? Well, I mean, like I said, it getting back on that horse well, wasn't the easy thing, and it and I had a lot of information thrown at me. Office 365, it, it was just making its break out there. Oh, really? They donate that service or a oh, majority of that service to nonprofits. Oh, so, wow. Uh, the basic services that are just for the web, mm-hmm. they they give you those. So they give nonprofits, anybody that's registered as 501c3 or a religious organization, they, they just $0 every year. And you can have up to 300 I think. Users, it's pretty cool. Wow, yeah, I mean, really nice. We do pay, uh, you know, obviously for more additional features, but they're they're yeah. also they're also discounted. So it's really nice that Microsoft does that to, to nonprofits and absolutely religious organizations. Oh yeah, but learning learning all that and and, and getting caught up to where I felt like I was uh, confident again. Yeah, in the decisions that I was making, that 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 took a while. And now you even even today, I don't I don't think we ever stop learning, or we can't. I mean, oh, yeah. if we want to stay stay in this industry and, and be good at what we're doing or great, uh, we have to follow all of these endless things that that come in at us and and learn, uh, so so we can you know provide the defense against the things that that are trying to get into our networks or. Absolutely, IT is always IT moves faster than any under any other industry or any subject matter I can think of in life. Yeah, I I mean I wonder how that how much longer. Uh, you ever think that uh, security is going to become a an AI game? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it already is to a certain extent, but that'll be you'll be able to bust through firewalls without breaking a sweat once you have quantum computing and AI on your side uh-huh. and you, you'll bust through a Palo in a New York minute I mean right now you just right now people don't usually have tech or when we're doing pen testing and assessments a lot of people, malicious actors don't seem to go after firewalls because the technology has gotten to the point where the firewalls are pretty robust mm-hmm. so it's not the weakest point of entry and there's easier more efficient ways to break into a business these days yeah but I if mean, you just have brute force power, I mean, or yeah, just punch a hole in it. <laughs> yeah, or decrypt the the information. Yeah, uh, if yeah, I mean, if you can break, beat the encryption with a quantum quantum computer, that that changes the game. Absolutely. So I think AI is going to be the biggest. It'll be the biggest weapon in world history ever developed, and or savior slash tool. 
Well, <laughs> it's like everything we we develop, right? I mean, anything can be used for good or bad. Agreed. It's always the the person that who's holding the tool. Yep. Or who's using it? I agree. Uh, just I don't know. We just got to be good denizens uh, of the technology that that we are provided. Oh, absolutely. And it's hard to keep a track of uh, or keep a track and stay abreast of all those different threats. Uh, I think it's quite impossible. That's why I'm saying <laughs> at some point the AI, we're, the the term "we're only human." Yeah. Mean, it, it becomes more evident when there's the, as many threats that have to be gone over every day. Without those tools, I don't think we could. One person or two people could keep keep up with it. Oh no, it's. I mean, especially. I mean, it's gotten to the point where pretty much any company with any sort of a footprint is a target. It's because, I mean, now there's so many bad guys. And you can even get you know malware and ransomware as a service. Just pay someone on the dark web, and they'll go after any company you want. Yeah. So it's. I mean, and no matter how many resources you have, you're always going to be stretched thin. Even the NSA gets hacked. I mean, and they have basically unlimited money and resources. So if you're yeah. a smaller company or even just an average company in corporate America, even if you have a couple of guys dedicated to IT security, there's always going to be some area or some gap in the system. Yeah. Because they're human, they got they have to eat, they have to sleep. I mean, and if you think if you think those individuals won't go after you because you're small or because <laughs> oh yeah. you're a nonprofit or but you're not a bit you're not a big name yeah like quote unquote they they took over NHS they ran some word the NHS in Europe oh really this is the hospital system so oh I thought I thought you were talking about the highway for a second I'm like oh no. the tolls are bad oh that's not so bad no, I'm just kidding <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah the, no they took over the hospitals uh, I remember reading about a lot of that and if they're willing to do something that that terrible that's pretty heinous yeah yeah uh, the, they'll go after anybody. It's it's a scam game. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. All we can do is just put up the barriers and yeah. try try to make it as unattractive as possible for a bad guy. Just make it look like it's going to take too much effort, so they go after the simple targets. Because there are there are a lot of companies who still have you know admin admin credentials for a lot of things. It's it and, and you, just a couple of quick scans, you'll find them. I mean, people make mistakes. Yeah, exactly. It mean, <laughs> I meant to secure the database. Just yeah, it didn't happen. Somebody walked in my office at that moment, yeah. or you're that, like, that, that's probably how those things turn out. I don't, oh yeah, can't say for sure, obviously. Oh, of course, know. yeah. But they're only human. I mean, a lot, in fact, especially in IT, you got so many things going on. You've got a list a mile long of what you need to do, what you need to get done. It's like, well, it's an, it's an un- unexpected game too, because how many users things are not going to work and perform the way that you expected them to for that day. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, those unplanned things are just, that's what kind of throws a, a wrench in, in the day some days. Or an internet outage. or Oh, yeah, or cloud outage. I mean, there's, it's always so many unknown variables in IT. It's just, it's not a matter of if something will break or not work. It's just a matter of when something will not break and not work. Because it's just. That's why it's so attractive. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. I mean, I don't ever get to show up to the, to to a day that's not really that's that's the same. Yeah. I mean, other than than you know, patch Tuesday. Oh yeah. <laughs> rollback Wednesday. Yep. <laughs> but except for those, I mean, those are pretty easy to manage these days, though. Oh yeah. A lot better than SMS used to be. True. <laughs> you got WSUS now, and it's it's fun. Hey, that's what's uh, the puzzle is what's attractive. Absolutely. What's your favorite part about working with the Girl Scouts? Oh, man. 
like I said, I just wanted to make a difference. And, and even though that I don't interact with troops and, and, and those individuals on a, on a daily basis or really that often, I get to play a part in doing something that benefits somebody else's life in a positive way. Because uh, you, you, I don't know if you've heard a lot of the stories, but I've heard all, a lot of the stories that come out of the, the girls and how much confidence and things that they get from just, you know, getting, getting to spend time in a girl-only environment, getting to learn together, uh, the cookie program, obviously. Oh, yeah. That, That's legendary. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I get to play a small role in, in delivering that out to uh, somebody that gets to, to benefit from it. And the end result is the world's a little bit better for it. Absolutely, I agree. And it's cooler, actually, they're starting to do some stuff around cybersecurity. I remember a couple years back, I was reading an article about how they were introducing the actual Girl Scout badge for, like, a cybersecurity certification to get them interested in the subject matter. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know a whole lot about the, the, the badges and offerings that, that they're doing. They, uh, I, I kind of stick into my corner. All good. But, uh, yeah, I, I do know uh, about, about it, but I don't know about the specific programs. Right. Oh, my, my sister was a Girl Scout growing up, so I've heard a lot of good things indirectly about the programs. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a wonderf- wonderful organization, not only uh, for the community, but to work for. Absolutely. It's been, been great. Uh, I've been there eight years will be oh, wow. uh, the 19th of November. Oh, congrats, man. Right around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Here in a couple <laughs> months. Wouldn't change it. Greatest organization I ever worked. Absolutely. And then what do you like to do outside of work? Uh, I haven't done it in a long time. And uh, we, we had talked about this before, you know. Woodworking is, is something that's fun for me. Uh, yeah. I did it growing up. Uh, I lived in an environment where it was, it was required to learn how to fix things. Because we lived in a small town. We couldn't take things to, to get them fixed all the time. Mm-hmm. And my dad was grew up as a farmer, so it was just a skill that was imparted to me. Um, woodworking, a little bit of welding, looks terrible, uh, yeah. but, <laughs> you know, it, it's just something that, it, that I like doing. I like creating. I, yeah. the, the puzzle, the wanting a new puzzle doesn't, uh, doesn't stop just because I've left work. I like to All keep right. my brain active. I like to try to learn things because... I just think it's fun, and there might be a time that I get to impart that knowledge onto somebody that that asks for it. You know, I've got a nephew, I've got a little niece that's uh, I don't know three, three or four at this point. Oh yeah, and she's interested in a lot of this stuff. So I mean, we send her STEM kits and cool uh, anything that we can do to kind some of foster that kind of. Yeah, I mean, if you love it, then you're going to be great at it, you know? Oh, yeah. So what's your favorite thing to work on when you're doing woodworking, or what's your favorite thing to build? Uh, I don't know that it would say the best thing, but the the thing that I I like the most that I've ever built is is not even anything that's really that big. It's a a small paper towel holder. Uh, Oh, really? It's one of the first things that I've ever made, but... Getting to take that back home to dad and show that to him, and yeah. he still has it at his house to this day, and it looks exactly like when I gave it to him. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, 
that, that was my favorite thing to make, to, you know, give it, give it to him, uh, let him see. It's nice to be uh, the last, or it's nice when, you know, people are proud of you. And Absolutely. So, but, you know, I've made, I've made different things, hope chests and stuff like that, but I, th- I think that was my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got married back in March. Yeah, I was, I was about to say congrats. <laughs> Make sure. Yes, it was March 27th. <laughs> I only get, get slapped when I get back home. <laughs> but yeah, wonderful. Uh, we, we got to go spend uh, quite a bit of time down in Austin. Oh, nice. She, she has this thing where she just wants to start hitting uh, different uh, national parks, state yep. parks. She likes caves. She's actually never been to Carlsbad, so that's one of the things oh, really? on the list. It's a good place to go. Yeah, uh, want to get up a get a map together, and we're gonna start marking things off. I've seen some people that do that. You just put a put a pin in every uh, state park. There's some good ones. I know Dinosaur Valley is a really fun park, or I don't know what, you, what the technical term for it is, but it's within a couple hours from DFW, and you actually can see the fossils of the dinosaur feet like in the water. Oh, yeah. I, th- I don't know if this is true, but she's talked about like uh, Enchanted Rock, and it seemed like she had talked about some fossils that they, they went uh, and saw there. That'd, that'd be cool. Pretty wild. I mean, and we're getting to see things now that haven't been seen in years because of the drought all over yeah. the world. I mean, not not that drought's a good thing, but it's pretty interesting uh, seeing all these things that were left behind from just natural formations in the rock that we didn't even know were there. Didn't they uh, talk about a monk or a, a statue of a monk somewhere over in Asia? Oh, really? That the 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 river got so low that you could now see this uh, cool carving that that was carved hundreds of years ago into the oh, it's awesome the river <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty wild. That's well, it's one of those unique perspectives you only get to see every once in a while. Kind of like how it was really fascinating to see just kind of the whole almost like the ghost towns when COVID first hit. Yeah, like it was the first time in you know forever there was pictures of like Times Square where there's no one. It was straight out. It, it seemed like it was straight out of a horror movie. Like there was nothing there. Yeah. It. I mean, they they came out and rolled up the sidewalks, so to speak. Oh, yeah. It. It. It was something like I've never seen right before ever in my life. And the heat this summer too. Oh yeah. <laughs> Although it was it wasn't as bad as it was like two or three years ago or maybe four years ago. But it was like hundred days of over hundred degrees in Texas. Like it was miserable. <laughs> yeah. I. I'm not a I'm not a fan of no of the heat. <laughs> heat. I mean, I, you, you can always put you can always put some more clothes on when it's exactly. cold outside. The cops start showing up if you do it the other way around. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's been a it's been a fun ride, and that that's just kind of the things that we we wanted to go. Yeah. For mostly she, but it, I like doing things that make her happy. So absolutely. And I've never seen these things, and I've never traveled a lot myself. I've never taken any vacations, so I'm, you know, I took I took the job that I did out of outside of uh, Lubbock. No, uh, outside of the like for profit industry, mm-hmm. just because it, it has a better differentiation between 
what's work and what's home and you know you don't have to be at work all the time yeah because yeah when i worked at uh at celestica and we contra- contracted to them it i made it made a significant amount of more money mm-hmm. but i was at work all the time yep <laughs> and i didn't have that work uh home life balance and you know i, I uh, it's taken me years to learn as i get older that money's not everything sometimes having just enough is is good because you get to spend time with uh with the individuals and create those memories that I would have other otherwise not had. Absolutely. <laughs> it's all about creating those unique fun experiences. That's right. I mean uh making the people smile. That's key to life. Yeah. Okay. West Texas it's about uh it's about food, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's that's where the hospitality stuff comes from. It's what do we do down there? Well, let's go out and get something to eat, you know, or yeah. let's make something together. Legendary barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Now fixing to be, uh, what is it, legendary grapes out there. Really? Yeah. My dad started this year, too. Oh, what's he doing? He uh, he's he works with this guy that our family's worked with for years, that we've uh, we farmed this, this guy's land. Mm-hmm. And... He called my dad up and said, hey, do you want to be a grape farmer? Yeah. And what they do is they sell those grapes to, to wineries so they can blend them together and turn that stuff into wine because not every winery that makes wine grows their own grapes. So that's what cotton farmers down there, and a, a lot of them have been wanting to do is get a product that yields more Per per pound, yeah. Than cotton, because the water out there is it's going to take just as much water mm-hmm. to grow, or not a significant amount of difference from what I understood from talking to them. Mm-hmm. And you might as well grow the thing that is going to net you the most money at the end. Absolutely. And it's probably better for the soil. I don't know how. I never I never stayed around long enough to understand exactly how the nitrogen and all that stuff affects my dad did it for years but i quickly found out that's a lot of work oh it's a whole science to that <laughs> and it's hot outside oh yeah <laughs> so you know and he he he's always been a big supporter you know do what makes you happy and if this isn't it then don't do it so yeah good words to live by yeah he's a good guy absolutely well thank john so much for coming on the show i really appreciate it buddy thank you thank you Thank you for for listening. Topping Talks is also on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies. Heck, tell everyone and anyone. Stay safe. Have a great day. Talks.